I like being myself. And if I have to be in a field that needs everybody to be polished and fancy and run around with people, you know, scurrying after them as they furiously bark demands, like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be that. So, you know, I think you can be what you want to be and still do this field. Hi, I'm Caitlin Peterson, the Editor-in-Chief of Business of Home. Welcome to Trade Tales. On every episode, I'll be talking to interior designers about nurturing creativity, finding their firm's financial footing, setting goals, and discovering their own version of success as a result. My guest today is the designer whose transition into the residential design world was a welcome respite from the big commercial and hospitality firms where she spent the early years of her career. We talked about getting strategic when making new hires, finding a workplace structure that breaks the corporate mold, and her unique approach to social media that allows time to unplug. I can't wait to share it with you. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Gabby, where livable luxury is more than a look. Gabby's design team curates the most exquisite selection of designs across all furniture categories, with customizable features and fabrics to suit every setting. Partner with Gabby to provide your clients with great style, service, and all the resources needed to create beautiful living spaces. Discover Gabby online to access details and dimensions, product photos, and real-time product availability. For a special offer on your next order, go to gabbyhome.com boh. This podcast is also sponsored by Curry & Company, producer of beautiful residential and contract lighting, in-stock case goods and upholstery, and a broad range of statement-making accessories. An Atlanta-based and family-owned brand, Curry is committed to being a designer's best friend, something the second-generation company achieves through constant investment in authentic design, superior customer service, fast shipping, and by staying in stock. Curry's collections include partnerships with Bunny Williams, Sasha Bykoff, Barry Goralnik, Aviva Stanhoff, Marjorie Skouris, and more as well as countless pieces from its own in-house design team. Visit Curry's trade-only showrooms in High Point, Atlanta, Dallas, Las Vegas, and New York to experience the broad range of designs, each meticulously handcrafted by artisans around the world. Or visit curryandcompany.com to shop the entire line, request a catalog, and tour the virtual showroom. When I was in the second grade, I went to a school carnival and my teacher had a fortune teller booth. I sat down and I was like, what am I going to be when I grow up? And she said, an interior designer. And I legit have not changed my story since. I think I was like seven years old. And I'm not from a family that would use designers. My only knowledge of interior design was probably the, the TV show Designing Women, which also looked fun. And I was like, I want to hang out with a bunch of ladies and gossip all day. But yeah, so that is my earliest. I've just told people that's what I'm going to be since. That's Stephanie Sabi. Whether it was fate or a self-fulfilling prophecy, she stuck with design. After earning her degree, she took a job at a commercial firm in Nashville and then a hospitality firm in Memphis. She settled into the corporate world. But when her husband's career took the pair to Boston, her focus began to shift. We moved to Boston in 2009 and it was the recession and I like willingly quit a paying job to move and then no one would hire me. I sent out like 60 resumes in Boston and went and met with people and uh, ended up getting a six month contract position with this little firm in Cambridge. And he reminds me still of how I run my firm. It was just very like, 
haphazard and like he wasn't the most organized human being, but he was running a very successful firm um, and had projects all over the world. And it was kind of an eye-opening thing for me. So I was like, oh, you don't have to have like an accounting department and like a 401k or, you know, even permanent staff. Like he would staff up when we had something from like MIT students where he taught. And then as soon as the project was over, everybody's gone. So as soon as my stint there was gone, I just went down to downtown where you got your business license and I just got a business license and I was like, I own my own firm now. Stephanie's first project was a commercial office space for Harvard University, which soon led to home projects and a growing portfolio. Within a year, she had been published in the Boston Globe and Boston Home Magazine. When her growing family moved back to Nashville, she expected to pick up right where she left off. Instead, she discovered that the residential market in her hometown had shifted dramatically. I basically had to start all over and I got back here and Nashville had exploded. Everyone wanted to be here. There were tons of new designers. From me being gone and coming back, Pinterest had become a thing, which I think Pinterest made the residential interior world explode as far as people wanting to do it as a career. And so, yeah, there's tons of really talented people. So I just kind of had to humbly come back in and be like, I'm here. It took Stephanie a few years, but she built up her client base in the area and landed on the pages of House Beautiful's Next Wave column. Now firmly established, she's working on several projects that give her what she says she values most, creative freedom. Her new challenge is to find a sustainable way to grow her firm. I wanted to talk to Stephanie about what it takes to become a boss, the traits she's looking for from future clients, and why she's decided to completely turn off her social media accounts every summer. What were moments in your firm that kind of tested you as an entrepreneur, as a business owner? Does it have to be one that I've gotten to some sort of resolution with? Or Absolutely okay. not. It's so much more interesting <laughs> if you have it. <laughs> um, I really struggle being a boss, period. I know that's like the next steps to growing and running a firm. I would just like want to be one of the, the girls who works here. And I was like, oh, our boss sucks. Like, I don't want to be the boss, you know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> So I've struggled with that and I've had a mm -hmm. really hard time building my team and keeping staff. Take me back to the beginning a little bit. When did you make your first hire and who did you hire for or what were you hiring for? Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about this and then I'm going to tell her to listen to it. So my first hire <laughs> is like your first boyfriend is my mm -hmm. friend Martha. She and I went to college together. She approached me about working for me and she started out slow and was able to take on more over time. And it was just for me, a really wonderful time of being uh, an employer, um, just because we just had a very natural flow. We got each other. I knew her as a person. And then she started her own company, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is great. That's what happens, right? In residential. And I had had it. Uh, my youngest baby during that time. And it was just, it was hard. And it wasn't her, it wasn't because of her. It was just, it was a big transition. And and then I thought, well, I'm just going to hire people and they're just going to constantly leave me and start their own firm. And so then I went through a phase where I was hiring very young people. And I very unprofessionally say like hiring a new grad, and I've been a new grad, is like 
breaking a horse. Like it's just, you have to have a lot of time and patience and low Mm -hmm. expectations. And they don't know that they think they're coming out, you know, the most useful person ever. And I was that person. And that's why I know it's so funny. Um, Because I thought I was the bomb. And then I graduated and was like, Oh, my God, I cannot put a, a CD set together in less than a month. Like I'm awful. And so that was not a great fit for me to be running on like full pace on my own work. And then needing to stop and spend the amount of time I should have been spending with these young people. Well, and you're not just teaching design skills. You're also teaching how to have a job, how to be an employee, right. how to answer, how a, to be a person who's, yeah. How to oh my gosh. Phone. Like that stuff. I just, you know, I don't know how old you are, but like we answered the phone in our house growing up and I've had, you know, people mm-hmm. work for me or I'll hear them. I'm like, Oh no, uh-uh. that's not how we talk on the phone. Like you need to say your name, say the company name. You can't just be like, mm-hmm, bah. you know, like there's just like a different, like my mom would have been mm-hmm. like, you did not, you know, and she would have, it's just those parents who raised and they didn't have a landline. So they just probably missed yeah. the opportunity to be like, Hey, let's talk about how we answer the phone professionally, you know, stuff like that. How you represent someone else or represent a household. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So went through that phase and then now, so kind of overnight I've gone what I from like a baby to a t- teenager like I, I have the work I've always dreamed of the clients who like hire me for what I do and not just because I'm an interior designer that their friend used but I'm I'm struggling to keep up and take what I want to take because I I'm struggling being a boss you know so I have some clients who do like business consulting and I'm like I mean, I should offer to pay them because they're paying me. But I'm like, so do you have anything you want to tell me? Like, <laughs> like, what am I doing wrong? Um, and I struggle with feeling like a failure when things have not been a good fit. I take it personally that I must be an awful employer, you know, or just I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. They don't teach this in design school. And I'm doing it. They definitely don't. <laughs> I'm doing it by myself. And I don't think I honestly <laughs> would work well with a partner. Like I do need to do this by mm-hmm. myself. But it can be lonely too because you're like, you know, what do you guys think? Oh, it's just me, you know? And uh, yeah. So I'm in the thick of that right now. We have so much opportunity. It's just hard to like, I'm having to say no for the first time in my career to things I really want to take because I know I do not have like the internal infrastructure to deliver. So what does your team look like right now? Oh gosh, it's kind of a rough week to ask, but we've had people go out on maternity leave. We've had people quit. We've had people, I don't like to say I fired anyone. Like You parted ways with a few employees. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but so what does my team look like? So it's me. We have Rosie, the bookkeeper, who is my longest employee. And it's probably because you do polar opposite jobs and never step on each other's toes. But anytime I feel like a lame employer, I'm like, but Rosie's been here for three years. So I must not be that (laughs) bad. And then Jessica has been here um, for almost a year or about a year. And she's a designer and basically can do everything I do. And, and then we're hiring a purchasing coordinator, but Mm -hmm. it's, we went from like six to basically two over the summer Mm -hmm. with, people out on maternity leave and stuff like that. So we are looking to grow, but there are not a lot of people looking for jobs right now, it feels like. Was it a surprise to start your own firm, to start to hire people and to realize that this was going to be such a big piece of it? Um, yes. I didn't think I would ever hire people. Like 
I hated kind of the corporate America side of design and was really thrilled to leave anything that had like, I'm an associate, you're a senior associate. No, the hierarchy of it. Yeah. Or? Because it wasn't what I wanted to be when I, I graduated college. I wanted to be a designer and I still want to be a designer. So I'm kind of on the flip side of that where it's like, I was just so grossed out by it as a young designer, like climbing that ladder. And now on the boss side of it, I'm like, Ugh, like if that doesn't feel good either. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's not what I want to do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which if there is some book that tells you like how to hire someone to run your design firm for you. But most of the things I read are like, you have to look at everything yourself and make sure. And I'm like, oh, there's only so many hours in the day, you know? And is that the part you're passionate about? Is that the part that lights you up? Not at all. Yeah. I really do just like want to be taken care of, but I'm not laid back enough to let someone run with something I don't trust them with. So this podcast is brought to you by Gabby, where livable luxury is more than a look. Gabby is the go-to brand for fresh transitional design pieces that strike the perfect balance between form and function. Learn more about Gabby's quick ship program, wholesale tools, and exclusive to the trade pricing by visiting Gabby online or at a to the trade showroom in Atlanta, High Point, Dallas, or Chicago. For a special offer on your next order, go to gabbyhome.com slash BOH. When you're looking at growth, and you know, you said you're saying no to some opportunities for the first time, where do you want to get to from a growth perspective? What in your dreams does your firm look like? I would love to make two to three other designers besides me where everyone is a designer, a lead designer and manages their own projects and we all meet and then divide, but not where I'm the lead designer on every single project. Okay. And I've had success with that this year. We did, we have had three designers in the office um, and was surprised about how much my clients did not mind like me not being everything. So that Mm -hmm. was really relieving with your name being on the door. Yeah. I mean, how did you talk about that with clients to get them set up to feel good about it? I think it just comes with like growing as a firm. I think most people who have any sort of sense of like business and when a designer becomes a designer that people want to use, like you're probably, you're going to have to work with other people too. And you know, the ones I really like will applaud are the the clients I worked with for like five years one-on-one who have been really welcoming to some of the younger designers I've brought in because I like to throw, I like to throw a lot of SOSs out on Instagram because I know people follow me. I'm like, hello, I'm drowning. I am dying. So (laughs) the next week I'm like, okay, you're going to work with Jessica now. It's like, they know it's not because I'm just like, oh, I'm so important. It's like, I can't do this all by myself and I want to help you. And some of my old clients, they just pop out of nowhere, you know, and I love them, but I'm like, y'all, like, it's not a good time. It's, there's no VIP lane. I love you all. But yeah, I have a hard time saying no to you. I'm a people pleaser. So I put a lot of burden on my team that I could have said no to, but I think I'm getting better on that as well. Where does client management kind of fit into this story? Because I feel like, you know, we've talked a lot about managing employees, Mm -hmm. but in some ways, like the handholding and the client management is sort of the other half of that in terms of running a firm. As hard as the employee season has been for me Mm -hmm. right now, the client season has been such a delight. And I think that comes hand in hand with being a more 
seasoned firm and Mm -hmm. having a reputation that we deliver a product. And along with that comes a certain level of trust. So we are just in a season where we have really fun clients. And my kind of motivation behind running a company is like creative autonomy. Like I want to work with you, but I want to be able to do my craft. And we just have clients who are letting us do that. But also we're busy enough too where I can hold things looser. And we have had... What do you mean by that? Two clients this year that I literally thought, one of them particularly, I was like, this is going to make my career. Like this is the most awesome project. A dear friend of mine was the architect and we got into it and she just wasn't comfortable letting go of anything. And it was this Mm -hmm. back and forth, middle of the night, changing all the things. And so finally I was like, hey... I like, I think you are so lovely and like, I cannot wait to see this house, but I'm not your person mm-hmm. because it's supposed to be fun. And the beauty of interior design is just like, it frees up your time. So if you are spending 24 seven doing it and so am I, like, that's not the point. And so she let me, you know, break up amicably and we went our, you know, separate ways. And she was like, oh, will you still come see the house? I'm like, yeah, of course. But that I would have not been able to do two years ago because I would have thought, nope, this will ruin my career, you know? And so I'm at least beyond that where every project is not my project, even if it's the shiniest, most amazing sounding client, you know, if I would rather do a project with no budget and no prestige and have full creative freedom Mm -hmm. over a project that came with, you know, some of the most famous architects in the country and the biggest budgets, but if if there's a death grip on creative freedom, it's not my project. Are there things that you have changed in how you search for the right next project? So my key is people look for me. Mm-hmm. I don't market actively, which except like Instagram, which has been a really great avenue mm-hmm. for me. Um, I've never. I've never paid a publicist. I know that's maybe not something okay to brag about in a magazine, but like (laughs) I truly think if I can't pimp myself to find the best clients for myself, Mm -hmm. then they were not meant to be my client. And I know there's some people who are very introverted and they need that. I'm just not that person. So I wear it as a badge of honor. Like I've never, no publicist ever got me in a magazine. No one's ever kind of helped me out. And I think that's a lot of my personality too. Like I'm, Enneagram eight, like I need to do everything for myself. Mm -hmm. So clients have to find me. And if they call and say, um, what kind of work do you do? Or they haven't researched me at all. I'm automatically like, you're not my client. Like go do your homework and yeah. Yeah. My favorite clients are the ones who've looked at my work and just, I think this is everybody act like I'm special, but like, they're like, I just love what you do. Like I know Mm -hmm. I made a, Instagram post about it maybe last week about like, I want clients who know if they get in a car accident and they are in a coma for the entire duration of the project, they know they will come out of that coma and their house will be perfect. Like they Mm -hmm. didn't need to control it. They didn't need to be heavy handed in it. They hired the right team. We get them. We're going to get it done. And I have some clients like that right now. I say those clients exist. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm working with a client right now. He's creative and he's an author and like it's like Disney World and I know I'm like cheesy on Instagram about it because I've never been given that opportunity like I'm Mm -hmm. not and it's no discount to my other clients it's just I didn't even know this thing and they have a very healthy budget which I will say at the end of the day 
it is fun. I mean, I'm not going to lie that like <laughs> money does not matter in this field. You know, I have done Ikea furniture. Like I have done Ikea drapery. I have worked my way up portfolio wise and definitely feel like I started like at the semi bottom. But, you know, when you can order like a chandelier from London, that's been like handmade and, you know, it's, it's going to look good. You know, it just is. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that's been really fun. Supporting the interior design trade is a core value for Korean company. To know them is to love them. They're easy to work with, constantly innovating in product design, there when you need them, and fun to do business with, too. The brand's High Point showroom experience is also legendary. And with market coming up in October, they are prepping their hospitality and warm Southern welcome to complement another jaw-dropping product presentation. You won't want to miss it. I want to talk about Instagram because you've referenced it a couple of times, and I feel like you showcase who you are in such an amazing way on Instagram. How has that changed your business? That is a, a really good question, actually, because I, <laughs> I struggle with that a little bit. I've never approached Instagram as a marketing tool, and I realize it is a marketing tool, and I realize I do get a lot of business from it. I've tried during spurts to be like, okay, you are a professional. Stop posting your husband sleeping on your couch or like stop, <laughs> which I feel like I'm going to get you all that for saying couch, but sofa. Last year, I built a dollhouse for my daughter's over Christmas. And, you know, I always thought some of the magazines I've been in were going to be like my thing. Like I'm going to be the next whoever. And hilariously, so I filmed me doing this dollhouse every night for like 12 days. And I've gotten so many calls this year about, I saw your dollhouse and I was just, I really think you would be fun to work with, which is a little bit, I'm like, do you like my work? Like, <laughs> so I've had people hire me this year definitely because they want to be friends. And that can be tricky too because I am, I do think I am fun. But at the end of the day, like you have this very different style than me. Like we're not going to have that much fun. You know, you should not hire your designer solely based on she's funny on Instagram. So yeah, Instagram is definitely helped people think they know me. I, I don't know. It's like a lot of pressure because I'm like, you're going to meet me and you're going to be really disappointed because I'm a human. I'm not as funny as like, I write because I have a minute to think about it, you know? Um, but I do love it. Like, I just love that people are okay. I mean, I'm not like, you know, a famous interior designer. I'll probably never get there. I just, I like being myself. And if I have to be in a field that needs everybody to be polished and fancy and run around with people, you know, scurrying after them as they furiously bark demands. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be that. So, you know, I think you can be what you want to be and still do this field or this job. And the business, it doesn't scare business away. If anything, it's a good thing. It's like a warning. It's like, okay, if this scares <laughs> you, don't hire me. One time I had this neighbor who hated me um, in my current house. She lived next door and she just did not like me. We very slowly renovated the exterior. We did the interior first and the exterior was last. <laughs> she came over mad one day. She was like having a luncheon and she's like, your paint is peeling off the side of your house. And I was like, I am working on it. Like I am trying to <laughs> save my money. And um, she goes, I 
follow you on Instagram and you are a tacky person. (laughs) And I was like, it might be generational. Some people think I'm funny. And she said, my children follow you too. And they think you're tacky. And I'm like, why is your whole family following me on Instagram? if Everyone thinks I'm tacky. Like I don't appeal to everyone, but if I appealed to everyone, then I would be boring. You know, like Mm -hmm. I just, I don't want to be the same. I love that. You have a shop opening this fall. Can you tell me about that? Okay. Yes. I had a roomie who was one of my dear friends from college and she and I were sharing this space and she ended up traveling a lot more than she anticipated. So one day I called her and I was like, Hey, can I buy you out of the space? I don't know if it's like going to be a store where I like welcome people in or it's more like just come look in the window and see what we do. I am going to London for the first time next week. So I just plan to use that as kind of like a study trip and look at shops and see what feels right and then kind of do something similar. Is the idea in part then that clients would be able to experience that space, sit in upholstery, like kind of shop that space? Or is it more about kind of an experience? Yeah, I think it's it's more just about like understanding the vibe. So I really enjoy doing show houses, which is funny because I'm like the most frugal person in the world. But <laughs> I just finished my second show house. Um, house Beautiful, right? Yes, with House Beautiful. And I did the kitchen. And um, I did a show house with Southern Living a couple years ago where I also did the kitchen. Just being able to like watch people experience your space that were not are not necessarily your clients for the good or for the bad in the Southern Living House, like you don't wear a sign that's like, I'm the designer. And people would walk in like, is this the real kitchen? Like, where is the whatever? And I'm like, oh my gosh. But that's kind of what I want it to be. So it's kind of like a show house. I'm ready to be inspired with London, but I'm not trying to overthink it. If we never sell anything in the actual (laughs) store, I'll be okay with that. Um, It's just been a fun kind of space to play with. It's like, I don't really like having people over to my house too much. Like, but this is a small space where like everyone can come over and you can experience what I do without, yeah, worrying about like goldfish crushed in my carpet or whatever. <laughs> when you were talking about people coming into the show house and kind of seeing what you do, I had a moment when I worked at a shelter magazine where I was standing on the subway in New York and the person kind of sitting like right below me was flipping through the pages of a magazine that I had worked on. And it was the most amazing and terrifying and like anxiety filled thing. So I was like, (laughs) no, no, that story's not good. Keep going. Wait, you missed the good one. Go back, go back. Like you're sitting there in your head, like watching someone experience this thing that you have labored over. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, it really is. It's hilarious. It makes, it's literally like watching the comment section of your Instagram come out of a person's mouth because in a show house, like they're there to give their opinion, but you don't really, you're not designing for general population. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What is the one thing you wish you would have known when you started your firm that you know now? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you'll get there mm. and don't be jealous of people who are already there, especially through social media. I struggle with social media. It is a tool that I really thoroughly enjoy, but it also thoroughly wrecks me sometimes. And I remember when I very first started my company, looking at people's feeds who were close to my age, but have been doing it longer and just being like, never going to get there. Like those people are lucky. Their clients are the best. They have the best budgets. Like it's never going to be me. And it is like, I got there, you know, and I look back and I'm like, gosh, I wasted so much energy, like being jealous, you know? 
Can we talk about the fact that you just unfollowed everyone on Instagram? <laughs> no one has noticed. I thought I was going to get so much flack for that. I could not handle kind of the information. The overload, right? Yeah. It's just stuff. It's like, what if you're sitting somewhere and someone is like, I'm doing a tap dance. Now I'm cooking. Now I'm decorating. Now here's my kid. And you're like, ah, my brain is going to explode. That's what it felt like to me. So Mm -hmm. basically I just like unfollowed everyone. And now I just follow literally like 10 British designers. I don't know at all. I just can't take all the information and maybe one day I'll be able to again, but not right now. Do you feel the difference choosing to get rid of all that noise? Yes. Because I don't do social media. In the summer, I turn it off. I always have for the past like four years. And Wait, pause for a second. You just stop posting for a whole summer? I do it every summer. Yeah. This summer, I think is my fourth year and it's been fine. Like I think people feel so tethered to it. Like I heard, I love them. I, I think they're the most amazing business people, but I heard an interview with Shay McGee from Studio McGee that like she's never missed a day like she since she started her Instagramming business. And it's like, I don't like to be told what to do, you know? So like as soon as someone's like, you have to post every day, I'm like, I quit. I'm done. This feels like too much pressure. <laughs> and so when Instagram becomes something I have to do or I have mm-hmm. to do it a certain way or I have to do it a certain amount of times, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. What does success look like to you? Gosh, that is such a hard question. I want people to have fun and be happy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not motivated by money. Um, I've realized that kind of early to my husband's dismay. Money is not motivated for me. If my company were successful, it would be very much based on creative freedom. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah. And my kids being happy is my home life successful. So sorry, Brian. I don't really care about you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've never laughed harder. This has been amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, if you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, hear more great podcasts, check out new products, or browse job openings, head on over to businessofhome.com. If you have a note for the show or a story of your own to share, I'd love to hear from you, and you can email me at tradetales at businessofhome.com. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others discover the show. Trade Tales is produced by me, Caitlin Peterson, and Fred Nicholas. This episode was edited by Caroline Burke and Michael Castaneda. Our theme music is by Kyle Scott Wilson. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks.